Welcome back to another episode of the North Carolina Real Estate Show. I'm Tiffany Weber. I'm an attorney at Thomas & Weber in Mooresville, North Carolina. And today I am joined by another fabulous attorney at our office, the weatherman. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for having yes. me, Tiffany. I'm also known as Aaron as my yes. first name, but yes. I was like, I'm hoping you'll tell people your name. So. <laughs> So I'm not just the weatherman. The weatherman. <laughs> I thought this was a podcast with attorneys. Yeah. yeah. And one weatherman. And one weatherman. Uh, so today we are going to talk about, uh, agents hate this, <laughs> how to avoid disaster when doing real estate transactions with divorced couples. That's on uh, buyer or seller side. Uh, usually when we're talking about divorced couples, um, dealing seller side, but if you have someone that is in the process of getting divorced and buying, this is relevant too. We'll talk a little bit about either side of the thing, either side of the transaction. So Aaron, talk to us a little bit about what are reasons why divorced couples are selling? So I'm going to start with the bad joke I told you earlier, which is um, divorce is expensive and you got to pay that divorce attorney. Hey. <laughs> um, but it's also things like you can't afford the mortgage alone. You go from a two income household to a one income household. You are doing so because of equitable distribution or you need funds to buy a new place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An equitable distribution for agents that might not be familiar with the term is basically the division of assets, of the marital assets, and determining what's a marital asset, what is not, and then splitting it up in a way that you'll probably hear me say this multiple times throughout this episode, that is equitable. Equitable is not always equal. So equitable refers to fairness. Equal is not always fair given the circumstances. Now, accepting an offer you had some good points when we were discussing this episode earlier. Whenever you're going under contract as an agent who's representing a, a divorcing couple, give us the rundown of what you need to look out for. So you're, you're not just representing one, you're representing all. So you may be separated, but unless you have a prenup or some form of deed that transferred the property only to that singular spouse and that deed had special language that destroyed the marital interest of the other spouse, I mean, you're selling together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so both spouses will need to sign. Yeah. Yep, that's where you wear your revenge outfit. Your <laughs> yes, clothing. yes. The, we love a good revenge outfit at Thomas and Weber. <laughs> <laughs> like we're offering, hey, you guys can sit in separate rooms. We've got plenty of space to accommodate that. No. Or you can I sit together, him, and he will see me. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you are listing a house that's owned by a couple that is divorcing, then you would be wise to obtain a copy of the relevant documents that will be needed for the closing, including the, se the separation agreement. Um, if there is one or any orders that have been filed uh, in the, the court records, um, anything that the judge has said that dictates what happens with the property. And often what we'll see and we come across issues with is that the separation agreement says, all right, the marital home at 123 Main Street will become the property of wife and husband shall execute a deed and any necessary documents to effectuate that conveyance. The parties, husband and wife, think 
The separation agreement says the house is mine. We're done. It's not done until the deed has been signed and filed. Yep. So often we see a lot of loose ends where, you know, husband will now be under contract to sell. He's the only person that signed the contract. Mm -hmm. And whenever we're trying to get clear title for the buyer, we see, okay, well, when a spouse come, when is ex-spouse or, you know, soon-to-be ex-spouse coming to sign? Yeah. She doesn't have to sign. Yes, she does. Yep. Yes, she does. So unless that, the deed has happened. Um, with the special language. With the special language, Yeah. Uh, unless that's happened or, you know, the property was never marital to begin with by that, you mentioned a prenup or it could be a postnup. Or a free trader. Uh, yeah, some other agreement that made it so no marital interest was ever acquired, then, you know, soon-to-be ex-spouse still has to join in. And so our rule of thumb is if the person's going to have to sign the deed at closing, they should be signing the listing agreement and the contract. Yep. Because you don't want to get to a situation where at closing you've got an owner refusing to sign the deed because they didn't sign the contract. I wasn't under contract to sell this house, so I don't have to sell it. So you're running into issues there. Um, now, dividing the proceeds, how do you do that? So that's where your very well-drafted separation agreement comes into play. Mm -hmm. um, or you have an order from a judge. Again, we're looking at equitable distribution, not equal distribution. So it's not automatically 50-50. Or if there is no separation agreement or an order from a judge, we could have the parties agree to some form of compromise of you take 60, I'll take 40, whatever they come to, but they have to agree. And so... Yeah, we don't play judge in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> or jury or executioner. No. no. <laughs> now, one thing I want to bring up is... When it comes to proceeds, sometimes you'll have a separation agreement that says at 123 Main Street shall become the property of husband, wife shall execute a deed, um, and shall be given a distributive award of $100,000. Well, presumably that distributive award is to be paid out of the closing proceeds. Otherwise, where is it coming from? So you, typically when it's addressed in the paragraph talking about the property, it's you know, they're saying when you sell the property, it becomes, you know, 100000 of that's going to go to wife. Um, well, there, I'm not a family lawyer, so I'm just talking about the general idea of law here. I'm not going to get into the specifics or the statutes or case law that says this, but generally speaking, distributive awards are not taxed, like sale proceeds. So that's supposed to be a non-taxable event for the person receiving the distributive award. Whereas sale proceeds can be a taxable event. So it's very important that the family lawyers address in the separation agreement, how do you handle the 1099? Because um, personally have been involved in situations where it was not addressed in the separation agreement. Um, one party said, no, the you know, wife was receiving the distributive award. The husband's attorney said, no, she should get a 1099. And the other person said, no, this is a very clearly listed as a distributive award. I'm referring to separation agreement. This this was in the equitable distribution order. So I've been kind of a little loose with my language here. In the order, it was referred to as a distributive award. Um, so by that characterization, she should not have been receiving a 1099. They couldn't agree on that. And there was nothing addressing this issue within the document. So it held up closing. They were in breach of contract because they didn't close on time. Yep. So, you know, I'm having to step in on behalf of my buyer saying, 
I don't care what y'all decide, but you need to decide because otherwise you're going to be sued for breach of contract. Yep. Like you got to just figure this out. So um, agents, that's something else you should be looking out for within the documents so that you can avoid unnecessary delays. Because as you know, from watching our deep dive of the contract <laughs> or listening to our deep dive of the contract, that delay in settlement paragraph only gets triggered when it's impossible to close. The divorcing parties not agreeing on something is not an impossibility. <laughs> so get the documents, look through these potential issues before listing if you can, but certainly as soon as possible after going under contract so that you're not being confronted with unnecessary delays. Now, other things that we see, no shade to my family lawyer friends, but a lot of them draft deeds and plenty of them do it, are great at it. Uh, but just as many are not great at it, <laughs> for, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, there is some special language to sever marital interest. I could quote the statute, but I'm afraid that all, is it 39-13.3, four? <laughs> Aaron's looking no at me idea. like, how dare you ask me? <laughs> she always knows statutes off the top of her head. It's like and you're like, what? It's like chapter 39 and chapter 50. And oh, actually, and the reference has just changed. So now the 39 is now like 41 or something. We'll find it and put it in the show notes or something. But there's special marital severance, marital interest severing language that needs to go into a deed between spouses. You know, it's important to North Carolina. That's why they put it in their dang statutes. Yes. So if the buyer is to obtain clear title, that quick claim deed or special warranty deed or whatever deed that's prepared by the family law practitioner needs to include that marital interest severing language. You know, we've got some local practitioners who anytime we say, hey, um, we need a corrective deed done here, we're missing that language. They're like, I used, I've been using this for five years or 10 years, whatever. Then I'm like, uh-oh. Better can call I, your clients. Yeah, can you get client, <laughs> you know? And often, you know, we're saying, seeing them over and over again. Yeah. Um, so if that language is not in there, a title insurance company cannot issue a policy of title insurance. So the seller's okay. obligation is to provide marketable and insurable title. So if the title, if no title company will issue an insurance policy, guess what? They're not meeting their obligations. So I would encourage, you know, making sure that the family law attorneys have included that language. If you are involved in this as an agent and you hear your client say, oh yeah, I'm getting the quit claim deed, or I've got to sign the quit claim deed, or, you know, he's signing it next week, get the real estate attorney involved. We're yeah. happy to look at it to make sure it will be sufficient to prevent that person from having to come to closing. Because what we see over and over again is language was missing. They either have to get that quick claim redone mm -hmm. before closing, or the person has to come to closing and sign all the documents because they yep. still have to sever their marital interest. The parties aren't happy about either one of those. Yeah. So if it can be avoided, we'd love to help you avoid it. And family lawyers, just add the language, please. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty please. <laughs> we'll teach you. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything else that you want to add on that? Yeah. So we keep parking on marital interest. And really, that's because in North Carolina, your spouse takes an interest in your property, even if that spouse is not on the deed, except in a couple of circumstances where you have a prenup, you have a postnup, you have a free trader, something of that sort. But that does mean when you're buying property and you are separated, even if your spouse that you are separating from is not a borrower on that loan, that spouse still has a marital interest in the property unless you have that prenup 
or post-nup or free trader or separation agreement that says after acquired property isn't going to be property that's marital. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you have one of those things, then that spouse is coming and <laughs> signing your yeah. deed and your deed of trust with you. Or I'm, acquiring a marital interest in property that now is subject to division by the court. Yeah, and oh. that's not what you want. No. <laughs> and so that is why we keep going on and on and on about marital interest in property because it's such an important part of North Carolina property mm -hmm. that your spouse is going to take an interest. And so you just want to be really careful when you are buying property as a separated person. Yeah, I think the good rule of thumb is that if you haven't done anything special, you need to assume that the default applies, yep. in, which in our case is the again, marital interest rule. It's like there's some action, special action that has to be taken. And if you haven't done that, if all you've done is buy property and you didn't do anything special outside of that, you never had this discussion with anyone, you need to make the, you know, pretty much need to assume that the spouse has a marital yeah. interest. Agents, parting words from me, unless you have anything else. Nope. Trust, but verify. So your client may say, this is all wrapped up. Spouse doesn't have an interest. I'm the only one that needs to sign. Great. Can you just go ahead and send me those documents verifying that? Because we can go ahead and get them to the closing attorney and this will speed up your closing process. You can spin it that way so that you don't seem like you don't trust your client. And I'm not suggesting you should not trust your client, but remember that they're going through a stressful time because they're getting divorced anyway. So they might think that it's wrapped up or they may not have a clear understanding of what actually needs to happen next. So if they say, yep, we're all good, she does not need to sign, he does not need to sign, whatever, say, awesome, let's just go ahead and gather that documentation so that we can be ready for closing, we'll be way ahead of the game. If they cannot produce it, red flag. Yeah. Um, so start gathering the information as early on as possible, preferably before the listing goes on the market, but if not, as soon in time, as you go under contract as possible. So yeah. that's been another episode of the North Carolina Real Estate Show. Hopefully you picked up some tips on how to avoid disaster when doing real estate transactions with divorced couples, and we will talk to you in the next episode. <laughs>